Hey, this is Kurt Angle, the greatest wrestler of all time and Olympic gold medalist. And you're listening to the amazing, awesome, incredible Wrestle In Podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Wrestling's All Elite Listening Podcast, where we're all in on AEW. I'm Alex, one of AEL's co-hosts, and joining me today is MX Sharp, Wrestling's resident elite fanatic. Hello, hello. Just the two of us today. Yeah, just the two of us. And um, as I'm joined by yourself today, it's probably best to start off with the Best of Seven series, seeing as it would be unfair to make you wait nine topics to speak about it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. Yes, uh, the the Best of Seven series. So I feel like the the last time we were here, we had just finished game three, right? I think so, yeah. Um, so that would mean that match i'm just trying to get it back together in my head match four was when uh nick hurt his ankle uh and they lost match five no nick hurt his ankle and they won match five they lost to the hammer again no i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) no okay i remember now i remember four Nick hurt his ankle. They lost to the hammer. They said um, uh, weapons legal, uh, no disqualification. And then they won the no disqualification. And then they won on Wednesday. And we're having the Escalera de la Muerta uh, next time. And I mean, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And you know, all of the naysayers in the past who are like poo-pooing, like, oh, they'll 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 be all the same. Like they weren't, they weren't all the no. same. No, and they've all been they've been getting better. They have been getting better. And there's been a lot of narrative through lines in it. Like this thing with the hammer, the elite's kind of desperation to to claw their titles back. Um you know, Kenny kind of shaking off the ring rust. I feel like he struggled a lot more in the earlier matches. You know, he got got by the hammer in the first match. And then um, in, in the last match, he got got by the hammer, but he was able to kick out. And I felt like that was like kind of like indicative of like, He's shaking off the ring rust. He can he, he, he can get with it more. He has those instincts more in place now. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just been, it's just been wonderful. I've been enjoying it so much. Uh, I, I was really stressed out (laughs) when, when Nick started, when Nick started selling his ankle in the, in the, in the That was really well done, by the way. Like, I turned to my partner, I was like, is that real? And, um, it, because it really did look like he'd hurt his ankle. Yeah, it it was one of those things. So I've complained in the past, and I will continue to complain about those sorts of like injury spots where they're like, oh, I have an injury. And then, you know, Doc Sampson comes out and there's like all this much ado. Um, I uh, generally don't like them at all because they stress me out in the bad way because then I'm worried about like, oh, is this person really hurt? And I hate when I have to wonder if a person is really hurt or not. Like, if I'm wondering, like, is this something that's happening as part of a story or is this something happening because, like, something goes wrong? Like, that got me in the the wrong way with Adam Cole 
Um, yeah, that's um, now I get that. Like I remember um, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, um, and Undertaker did the top rope suicide dive and um, basically landed on his head. Right. Um, it those moments take you out of the match, and it's really difficult to get back into it after the after that happens because it, yeah. Like the elite, I don't know. Daniel Brian Danielson did it as well in his match versus uh, Daniel Garcia with his concussion. And for the first couple, for the first couple of minutes, I was like, "Is he actually okay?" Mm -hmm. And yeah, it takes a bit. I don't know. Like I, I don't mind it, but I'm also like, wrestlers are not the best advocates for their own health. Mm -hmm. So. It's diff in some and selling has become like so realistic in some matches that actually it's difficult to distinguish between real injury and story injury. So right. when they do that, it does take a little minute to come back in. But I don't know that I, yeah, things like yeah. Danielson is bad. Things like what Nick Nick did, I'm like, no, that's not bad storytelling, even if it's a little bit cliche. Right, right, yeah, and like I was saying, um, when when. Adam Cole got that really nasty concussion. I didn't realize that that was a shoot injury. And I had actually, I was actually really upset about the finish um, until we learned that it was a shoot injury and a really bad one. And then I felt like an asshole. So like, I don't, I don't like that moment of like wondering, is it bad storytelling or am I being an asshole? Right. But for this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Cody had an awful one um, during some during a face of the revolution ladder match. I think it was 2021. Uh, he had an awful one where he was like selling his shoulder or something. He had gotten taken out because of his shoulder and he kept like coming back and forth in and out of the entrance tunnel. Like that was ludicrous and terribly executed. Um, this one was good, though. I was fairly certain from the beginning that it wasn't a real injury um, because I watched the, so many Young Bucks matches. Yeah. And it's like, and that's just like, that's just not how Nick sells a real injury. Um, it Like, it was, it was, it was emphasized. Like, there was an immediate emphasis on that. Um, and it was like an immediate, deliberate drawing of the attention. And there was like, like I said, that deliberateness to it. So I could tell that it probably wasn't real. I remember there was a match between the Young Bucks and I think uh, Jack Evans and Angelico, where he had said afterwards that he thought he had legitimately broken his leg because uh he landed a move badly and I rewatched yeah. that match and I saw him no sell it like a champ. And he was like, he was in so much pain that he thought it was broken and he just like, he barely limped as he walked away. So I was pretty certain. And so I wasn't like really taken out of the match. I wasn't really worried. And then I think the, the narrative that, came from that was really engaging because like they were getting killed out there they were yeah um and they were just like they were just like it really felt like they were just like 
desperately trying to hold on until Nick got back. And, you know, Nick got that really good, like, he got that comeback, which, you know, obviously wasn't as dynamic as his, as his normal hot tag. Um, and then they got him with that, with that hammer. I really enjoyed that finish. <laughs> All of the finishes have been fantastic. All Even, of the finishes like, have been um, so good. The black arrow and Nick getting their knees up um Phoenix um shrugging and using the hammer. Like yes. um but they've all been really good and they've all like served like for character development as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I loved, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved the finish, the this latest one, uh the finish for this latest one a lot, a lot. Um the fact that like Matt tapped just after Kenny got the pin. Yes. Um, you know, like almost as if he was holding on like as long as he could to see if Kenny could get the pin. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was a good one. It was. It was a really, really good one. And I'll, I don't know if you caught it, like at the beginning of the match, Kenny Omega hit a V-trigger. I think it was on pack. And he came racing out from off the side, and holy shit, he nearly took his head off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, Kenny's been looking fire. so good lately, hasn't he? He has. I really cannot wait to see his match with Osprey because this is Kenny Omega of a few years ago. Yeah, he's he's moving a lot better. He like got it's just been looking so awesome. Um, yeah, and um. And, you know, the Elite, they're so good at stipulation uh, matches, I think. So the no DQ, the false count er everywhere. The Bucks especially thrive on chaos. So, like, these matches are always just, like, so, so fun and dynamic. And they don't lean too much on the gimmick, Um, I don't feel like. I don't think they do either. Like, the matches don't, I don't know, like... um... They always feel pretty structured, or at least that you can follow a story throughout them. Yes. Yeah, which is dis- which is distinct from was it uh you know the Bullock uh, Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society like false count anywhere match or like stadium stampede or whatever it was called from a few pay per views ago. Mm-hmm. Like they do not have the same ability that the Young Bucks and the and the Elite and also uh, Death Strang death triangle do to use the stipulation as a plot point rather than just the be all end all of the match right 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 and you know to your point of the of saying that the matches are well constructed um what i've really been enjoying going from match to match to match is that you'll see that there are moves or sequences of moves that um either team will hit each other with that evolve over the course of the matches like something will work in one match and then like in the next match somebody will scout it and have a counter to it and then you kind of have like these building chains of counters particularly between nick and phoenix yeah yeah um and that's that's always that's always really fun like the way and like the way they sort of like reorganize themselves and replace themselves and the things that you can see them look out for like i really want to kind of go over this series with a fine 
tooth comb once it's done because I feel like there are so many little thoughtful tidbits like that throughout the whole body of it. Um, yeah. And I think it's just going to be like really fun to watch over and over again. I think that's the benefit really of working in New Japan because um, a lot of they have obviously their post-match promos and stuff like that, but a lot of the story that unfolds in New Japan is in the ring. And um, yeah. like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are so so good at that. Um, uh-huh. And it, I like, I don't know if you watched uh, the Young Bucks' Generation Me and uh, TNA. I have um, not been able to bring myself to look at it. No. <laughs> They were very flippy, almost, I guess, spot monkeyish in there. Like, they didn't have that ability that they do now. Um, although their matches against MCMG and, like, uh, Beer Money were really, really good. I think that that was most definitely because of the other two teams. But then they moved to Japan and it just com- everything just completely changed. They were able... They, that's what they were. That's what they are now. Right, right. I will push back on that a little bit, actually, because um, I have watched a lot of their PWG work in that same era, because they could still work PWG when they were in TNA. And I think that they were still dynamic and thoughtful and interesting in PWG. I think that there were a lot of other pressures that really sort of watered down their work um if you've if you've heard them talk about that time in pwg like you can hear how they were getting a lot of like you should do this you can't do that you have to do this you know a lot of that sort of like direct direction from a lot of different people telling them that they know better um and but like when you look back into their pwg stuff i actually think it was after they went to dragon gate that they started kind of really leveling up in that respect although i will also agree that there's something about those tours in new japan because they'll have the same matches over and over and over again in in new japan for these tours because they'll have like the little house show tours leading up to the main um, at least in this era, um, leading up to the the big main show, and they'll kind of go against a lot of multi man matches in this one over and over and over again. And if you watch them back, you can see the small ways that they make adjustments, um, and like and the way that they sort of like build on the this match that they keep having. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. No, that's fair. I haven't watched much of their PWG stuff, and I haven't watched any of their Dragon's Gate stuff. So I would need to go yeah. back and watch that. Yeah, um, Dragon Gate stuff, stuff has been hard for me to, uh, t- for me to track down, to be sure. But um, I, uh, a couple of friends and I started watching their PWG stuff since their debut, and we're up to like 2010 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, all that to say, um, best of seven, awesome, elite, awesome. I'm excited and yeah. terrified for Escalera de la Muerta. Yeah, we will um, be taking all of your cynical apologies at, at wrestling.com. <laughs> and um, I guess the, the next um, topic is who is Soraya's uh, mystery partner? I guess it's probably a short topic because it kind of has to be... Uh, 
Sasha Banks, doesn't it? Like, well, if you it's know? not Sasha Banks, they have to fucking announce that it's not Sasha Banks because yeah, if they don't, they've learned nothing from Christian's debut. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like Christian's debut was kind of deflated. Not just it was it wasn't because they thought it was somebody else. I didn't think. I think it was because everybody could tell that it was Christian. Didn't think that Christian was all of that all that exciting. And then therefore thought that it must be something else, but it couldn't have been anybody except Christian. Well, there was two. There was two people. There was two groups. I think. Like we, I think we all knew it was Christian, mm-hmm. and um, we were like, I was okay with that. I mean, but then there was a bunch of people who thought it was Brock Lesnar. Um, wait, wait, who legitimately thought it was Brock Lesnar? I do not know. I think it was because of the way that Tony Khan sold it. Like, it was the best thing ever. What? And yeah, he's great. God, I must have heard that at the time and dismissed it immediately from my brain as both ridiculous and the last thing I could possibly want. I mean, yeah. Like, how much money? Like, he's on so much at WWE. Like, even like I know that Tony Khan could afford him, but like, what was why? The point? Like, why? What could yeah. he bring to AEW? Nothing. Like, certainly nothing that Christian can't. But I mean, maybe more star power, I guess. But like, we've seen from CM Punk that that doesn't really help. Exactly. Like, but like, he's star power in the context of WWE. And, yeah. like, he is appealing to, like, the WWE fan base. And that's not saying anything about anybody. That's just saying that WWE kind of just appeals to a different fan base than AEW does. Or at least it should. And, and yeah, they're entirely different products. They're entirely different products. And I just, like, I just don't think this is foreshadowing. I just don't think the big guy who kills people is just like the hugest draw in general in AEW. No. Although Wardlow, but that was probably to do with a lot a lot more yeah. to do with um the story that was going on as well. But, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a bit reductive to say that that was um well actually it'd be extremely reductive to say that yes. that's only Wardlow's only um draw and that's why you go over but yeah like it has to be sasha banks because if it's not people are going to go fucking nuts god they'll be i mean i feel like people will be really annoying if it is sasha banks and people will be really annoying if it isn't sasha banks but i mean i so i don't really watch wwe i don't really get to see sasha banks wrestle so that'll be fun if she does show up i'll enjoy that I mean, I haven't seen her wrestle since, what, like, 2017 or something? Whenever the first Saudi show was. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. She, like, she was always the best of the four horsewomen. Like, yeah, yeah. I've always heard good things about her in-ring work. So, yeah. you know, so that would be great, fun. Great character work. Um, yeah. Addies herself like a star in the way that not many in AEW do. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely be a bigger draw than Soraya and pretty much well, I guess actually like comparable maybe to like 
Chris Jericho or something like that for star power because she is huge and she's transcended wrestling now. You know, she's yeah. like in, in Star Wars and stuff like that. Like it would be a huge signing, but yeah, like um if they do not announce Sasha Banks, if they if they haven't signed Sasha Banks, they need to announce it the week before so people don't like so that they don't have to suffer through a <laughs> a crowd chanting this is bullshit for 10 minutes yeah it's not fair it's not fair to whoever isn't sasha banks um yeah. for that to happen although i guess if it is sasha banks i would be a little bit worried about her overshadowing soraya and i don't know if how huge a problem that is but like it seems like a shame she just got here um you know it would be nice to kind of build her as her own entity yeah. instead of you know, continuing to do this thing like Tony has been doing in the men's division, which is just like get get those debut pops, debut pop after debut pop after debut pop, and then not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, so Tony's twenty twenty two booking. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think that there is the danger of our over of our overshadowing uh, Surya. Um, I think it also has like it'll be good for the division, but I also think that like um, Surya and Sasha Banks are like so big that a little bit like CM Punk that you just have to have them on TV. So yeah. that limits that limit um, further limits the TV time that people like Statlander, Ruby Riot, the Bunny, right. um, Ty J uh, or Ty J S uh, can get following that because we all know that like he's not going to make time for the women's division but uh, and that may suffer a bit more by by her introduction although i guess like it means that like whoever she's in a rivalry with at whatever given time they will get a lot more they'll get like a better quarter i guess because she's a huge draw i guess but like i mean well, Just... I've heard this before, though. <laughs> I've heard this before. Every every couple of months, it feels like there's some new, like some some hot new women's talent that's going to turn the women's division around. And it's like, you know, somebody with star power, somebody with experience, and of course they're going to get a higher billing, and of course they're going to, you know, lift all of the rest of the women up with her. And like it keeps not happening. Like yeah, you know? the problem is Tony. It's not the the women that's there. The women exactly. that are there are all very uh, talented. Statlander is amazing. Ruby Riot's fantastic. She has been since she was in Shimmer. Yes. Um, uh, Brit is okay. I um, I love Brit. I'm sorry. This might I don't mind her. <laughs> it is a toxic trait. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like. Um, I have a Britt Baker t-shirt. I liked her for a very long time. I don't necessarily like what she is now. Um, but I as, I said, I, as I said in the last podcast, I think that she's a product of her environment and that's caused by Tony Khan rather than um, rather than Britt Baker herself. Like it's a survival thing where she's exactly. had to protect her spot. Um, exactly. So I don't think, I don't, I don't think what the women's division needs is like another star to like suck all the oxygen out of the room. You know what I mean? It's she is a person though that like you have to sign if you can. That's uh, certainly true. Yes, that like, is certainly if, true. If you have the ability to sign Sasha Banks, you sign her because you gotta. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, for sure. Um, I don't. I can't think of like a comparable free agent for for like the the men. So I don't know. Like maybe Adam Cole, maybe. Yeah. Like, but oh, I guess actually she has more star power than even Adam Cole. Yeah. Um. Yeah. These yeah, three, these free agents don't come around any very often, but yeah, hopefully they have learned from Christian. Um, who shouldn't have been a disappointment, but Tony Khan somehow managed to make it one. Um, <laughs> and he needs to probably do that to protect whoever Surya's partner is, if it is not Sasha Banks. Yes. I guess um, other potential disappointments is CM Punk might be returning, or uh, if Chris Jericho has anything to do with it, won't be returning. Oh, Yes. We do have to talk about this again, I suppose. Unfortunately. We can make it brief. I think the AEW have been much better since Punk has left. It is an interesting interesting coincidence. It is an interesting coincidence that all of a sudden I have been enjoying Dynamite a lot more. I, you know, I do have some things to say about this since I am being forced to to talk about it. (laughs) so first i would like to say that it is just like super interesting how just as things started to die down and people started to talk about punk less this podcast drops um and i would just like to um to to make note of the gall to bring this up when it is just starting to die down and then you know tell tell the fans to stop talking about it so much that like that's ballsy that's truly ballsy that's that's some significant stuff yeah um I... but yeah the timing of it is interesting it, it i don't know it feels deliberate maybe it's not who really cares it's not for m- me to really speculate either way i suppose this guy um, years on his podcast, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it sure is. Here's I am now like be I I I now am continuing to see this wretched hot take that I, I, I would just like to address, which is this whole it would be so much better for wrestling, so much better for the business, blah, 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 if they could just be mature. Yeah, fuck off with that. You <laughs> be see, mature and work and... things out. If anyone in any other business did what CM Punk did, it would be gross misconduct and they would... There would be no questions of saying, oh, well, you know, the colleague that he punched should really just be mature because actually he was a really good coder. Uh-huh. You know, like uh-huh. it's, it's, um, I don't know. I think it's like a, a really self-absorbed take because it comes from the desire to see uh, the two parties work together because people really like it when there's um, real life animosity behind a rivalry like uh, Matt Hardy, Edge, and Lita, um, etc. Like th- those sort of things. They, I hate people it feel, but yeah, yeah, people feel a lot more invested for some reason. I guess it's like almost um, reality TV sort of trash viewing, or that gets people more invested or something like that. I but guess. like, 
if the, like what Brian Alvarez said the other day, like we know, right. everyone agrees on the facts. What he did was gross misconduct. It was assault, actually. Like, right. Um, I have a point like, about this. There isn't, there shouldn't be a way back for him just because he is a valuable asset to the company. Right, right. And like, you know, and like this framework of like, hopefully they can work it out or maybe they'll be able to work it out or are they going to be able to work it out? There's a lot of money on the table. This framework is like being, like this is not just like a, like a, 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 a stan talking point right this framework is being repeated over and over again and is being accepted by like large swaths of wrestling media which is why i am in another low period of watching and listening to wrestling media right now because it makes me so mad because it's just like it's uncritically absorbing this like yeah the best outcome of this would be if these two you know, these two two teams or camps or whatever could come together and make some money off of it. Like that would be the best case scenario. Like that that's kind of how people are talking about it. And like I feel like like I'm not trying to dress anyone down or insult anyone or say anything about or to anyone, but I would really encourage to really think that one through because what that message is ultimately is that you are you are turning you are looking at someone uh someone's people who were assaulted right they were assaulted and and you're you aim to look them in the face and say hey the mature thing for you to do would be for you to just bury this hatchet and just work with this person. Just work with them because it would make a lot of money and a lot of people would like it and it would be much more convenient if you, the people who were assaulted, would just play nice. And I hate that. Yeah. I hate that a lot. I actually think that's really fucked up. That's a fucked up thing to say to someone who was assaulted. Um, yeah. And you know what? And if they did choose to do that, if they were the type of people who could look past that, who could say, you know what? This was really fucked up, but at least we can make some money. Then, like, I'm not going to say anything about that. Like, th the point is that people can handle the aftermath of something like this the way that they choose to. Yeah. And to not respect the decision of people who were assaulted to not work with the person who assaulted them is fucked up. And I feel very it strongly is. about this. <laughs> no, I think that's... Uh like one of the few reasonable takes that you'll hear on a wrestling related <laughs> podcast at the moment like <laughs> people think that well what really pisses me off about this like beyond what you've just said is mm -hmm. people want the wrestling industry to move past this carny bullshit if yes. they come back together to to yes. work together just because of this that is peak 
wrestling yeah. carny bullshit. Carney like this bullshit. is like Don Don Callis will be in the background, you know, clapping. Oh, that's fucking fantastic. That is key, that is peak carny bullshit. And yes. Like beyond whatever implications that it has for for the work environment, like AEW's locker room has been better since he's left. I mean, obviously as well, since Andrade's been injured, like there seems there's like no stories coming out. It seems everything that's been reported is that it might be all elite family again. It it, it has a lot of things have have seemed to to really die down. A lot of drama has really seemed to seem to. Of course, we don't know, but I think it is significant just the fact that we aren't having these quote unquote leaks of these stories happening much anymore. Um, and yeah, and I also think that you know to your point. I think it is better to, you know, from the top model to other people, like you don't have to work with somebody who harms you. Like, yes, like this was the standard for wrestling for a really long time is that you work with people who harmed you. Um, And we don't have to do that anymore. Like we can reject that. Like you don't have to do that anymore. It was Um, actually part of the thing that AEW set out is like their mission statement to be different from the rest of the industry. Exactly. The, the rest of the industry was working with people that may have previously harmed you. Like, right. Um, but so, then they've also hired some questionable people that have mm, almost certainly hired other people, harmed mm, other people. But um, yeah, like I don't think that there should be a way back for CM Punk if no. everything that we've been told is art is accurate, and it does seem to be. I mean, even if like not even if everything that told uh is accurate but just that those core selection of traits are disqualifying the fact that he threw the first punch at matt jackson nobody disputes it uh a chair was thrown at nick jackson's head nobody disputes that a grown man bit kenny omega nobody disputes that like all three of those facts hear that without fucking laughing I know it is really, it's bad, but it's funny. But it's, it's like bad. There's a dog in the room, and the person, and a person bit somebody. To to have that part of the story unspool out, like to watch that unspool out real time, was truly incredible. But like, the, what the I'm best saying... thing that CM Punk can take from this is that he finally had a fight that lasted a real fight that lasted longer than a minute. Oh my god! Oh my god! No, but. <laughs> Yeah, like those three facts on their own are disqualifying. Like I don't yeah. I don't care what a big shot star you are. Like I don't care how many cookies you brought into the locker room. Like I don't I like I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It creates a hierarchy that's not good for locker room morale. Um if um I don't know, Lucius Boris or somebody else was responsible for what happened backstage, they would there would be no discussion of there him coming back. Question: The elite certainly wouldn't have had their titles stripped. No. So you know, that's how I feel about that, and I would like to go on to never talk about this ever again until next podcast. No, I'm not. Next podcast, <laughs> I'm not talking about it. I'm not doing it. Something more positive, though, was Sheeta and Hater. <sighs> genuinely. I th- for my money, the best women's match AEW have had. Absolute, absolute, absolute fire. Like, listen, I don't need to pit bad bitches against each other, right? But, like, this match 
ruled. This match ruled. This match ruled. It made me so happy to watch. I was so happy that they were main event. Um yeah. And and that they were able to 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 really to really come up. I don't know. Like I just like like this is like this is the stuff, right? This is the stuff that we want. Like we all like Cheetah does it every time. Yeah. Um, Hater does it every time. We put yeah. the two together, and like I don't know. I don't know what stars people have given this match but like that is the best ma- women's match that AEW have had regardless of whether it's a pay-per-view or not that was like if you enjoyed this match go and watch stardom because that was the best of stardom like that was it was fucking fantastic yeah yeah it was really good stuff it was really good stuff and like you could see you could see that these are you know these are two people who are familiar with a particular style right who have who have worked this particular style and were given their had to really like to really stretch out and like do what they come out here to do right and i think it was just really fabulous and you know more than just watch stardom which i think is just good advice for anybody this match in particular has really made me think about how women's matches are not just presented but constructed in aew um because we have seen other matches with jamie and other matches with sheeta that are not nearly so like dynamic not just like hard hitting right like yeah they did work each other pretty stiff um and like that was cool but like it wasn't about that really um just like the 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 dynamicness of the match the the different variety of moves like like the creativity of the match and we just like haven't really seen a whole lot of that in a lot of their other matches with other people and i don't think that it has to be because they're both familiar with joshi i i it makes me wonder like who are who who's agenting women's matches and like are they agenting these matches the same way that they would agent a men's match do you know what i mean i would put a lot of money on the agent for that match being omega mm. um like i know that like that they both have familiarity with uh the joshi style but that story was um very very similar to how the shuri versus versus tami hashishita matches were structured where Mm -hmm. they brought out the absolute best in each other and they both had to dig really really deep each time uh, to get the result that they wanted and when it was over like they were both like everything was left on the on the mat like it was done this that was a japanese style match like you don't get really you don't really get those kind of matches uh, in american uh promotions very often right. like but that's what i'm that's kind of what i'm getting at is that 
like it doesn't have to be this way i feel like particularly with north american women's wrestling i feel like that there are a lot of ideas about what north american women's wrestling is or should look like yeah and and i think that people aren't really experimenting with the formula they aren't really pushing the boundaries of it there's not like this understanding in women's wrestling the same way that there is in men's wrestling that you have to like push the envelope and stand out and be creative and be dynamic i feel like and it's just like an attitude that it it doesn't have to be that way and it doesn't have to just be the joshi style we can have a north american women's style that is similarly like dynamic and engaging in its own way well yeah like you have north american men's matches that are just as compelling as what you watch in new japan um i don't know like cm punk versus mjf for example in AEW, like right. the, a dog collar match you don't really see that much you don't see that sort of thing in new japan but like i couldn't take my eyes off it it's still, like the, as the north sp- american um, as a match can be and that match was yeah. truly yeah. excellent i got to see it live truly oh, excellent <laughs> yeah his entrance, by the way, is one of the coolest things that AEW have done. Like, yes. that was so, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, it doesn't have to be a Pruroso style match for it to be compelling. It can right. be a North American style match, but they're not constructed in the same way that um, the men's matches are. Like, um, I mean, it's difficult to when you're given less time as well, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think it just it just it's a it's a it's a lack of confidence in in the the female wrestlers and I think you know and like a lot of people will be like oh they're they're more green they don't have as much experience la 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 and like I guess but like if I've learned anything about like wrestlers and like watching old matches from wrestlers and like listening to wrestlers talk about their experiences like you learn wrestling by doing like you learn how to be a better wrestler by throwing yourself into the deep end and swimming Um, also this is not a wwe crowd if someone debuts and is green as the is is as green as grass the crowd will still get behind them and they won't yeah and i mean they won't remember the performer that they were they will support the performer that they are now right this this isn't um wwe crowds people know that wrestlers get better when they uh take bumps in the ring and they work matches in front of crowds but it doesn't have to be that um jamie hater and sheeta come out and have a fucking five-star match of the year contender to put the women's division on the map that you can give them the same faith that they gave uh darby allen or um sammy Guevara or whoever else in the men's roster whilst they became more assured performers over the last three years right yeah exactly and yeah i think i think I think sometimes I think one of the reasons why maybe we haven't seen as much improvement as we would maybe like um in some of the on some of the women's roster is that 
they're not afforded like the confidence or the trust to kind of just like go out there and push themselves and push the envelope and have matches that push their abilities and go out and wrestle in front of of crowds that push them like our dark matches still just squash after squash after squash like, I haven't really watched much of them. Uh, it seems that way from, like, the, the live ones that I've seen. And how is anybody supposed to get better that way? Like, the Dark the dark Show should be your indies. <laughs> it I should. Think. I mean, like, why do you think Shida went off to Japan for basically the better part of a year? It's because, like, Dark isn't giving her what she wanted. Right, right. And, like, you can yeah. put on, like, you don't have to do this. A lot of these local talents, a lot of these indie talents that you're bringing into Dark are very good wrestlers. You can just have good wrestling matches on Dark. It'll be better for your performers. It'll better allow you to assess, like, up-and-coming talent. Like, I don't understand what they're doing with that. But, yeah. But I feel like like Sheeta versus Hater can stand as like a proof of concept for like what women's matches can like be and look like um and i don't know it's just really exciting it was really exciting to see and it just proved that if you show confidence in your performers and if you allow them to do the things that they can do they can get over like wild and i think that's so cool yeah and the match got an actual standing ovation towards the end. The match wasn't finished. They got a standing ovation. I can't remember the last time that I've seen a standing ovation. Like, mm-hmm. in a, even from AEW, like, we get this is awesome, fight forever, but the fans just applauded. Like, yes. how often does that happen? And the fans, like, the fans want to be behind these performers. Yeah. They want to be behind these wrestlers. Like, that's the thing that's, like, really galling about, like, not just the women's division, but particularly the women's division, is that there are so many people that the fans want to be behind. And they're just, they they want a reason. Like, give them a reason. And Sheeta versus Hater was, like, finally giving them giving them that like meeting them halfway and everybody was so excited about it including me it fucking tremendous i mean i don't know i get this shot in every month so i'm gonna do it again if you're telling me that you've got 20 minutes each week of jay lethal time but you don't have 20 minutes for the women you're fucking lying <laughs> yes like <laughs> There is absolutely no way that Jay Lethal could do what she does and Jamie Hayter just did. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, they, he has to give them more time. And there are, they're not the only two people on the roster that can do that. Like, um, we haven't seen her for a while. We know Layla Hirsch is great. Um, uh, Jade Cargill doesn't need a 20-minute match, but she carries herself like an absolute star and Willow, has a reaction Willow, every week. Willow, Willow Nightingale. Willow, Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale. An absolute fucking star. Like, I think she may end up being champion this year. Like, if you, I think, this is my hot take now that we've, now that we've circled to Willow, thank goodness. Um, if, like, if we are going to put, like, 
any sort if we are going to subscribe to any sort of like a single star can like lift up the whole of the women's division um which i don't necessarily but if we're going to accept that i really think it's willow i don't think that it's going to be somebody with like big star power from another company i think it's going to be somebody like willow who came up who put in the work who um who is such a force of charisma and is such an excellent wrestler and the fans got behind her immediately like the fans are just electrified by willow and i think willow really has the capability to just like really prove the sort of north american side of women's wrestling that i was talking about right and 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 can really prove it's like no like people aren't disinterested in women's wrestling like look how like look how behind willow they are like we can do this i think i think I think she really has the chance to like make a big splash and a big influence, like influence and elevate this division a lot, a lot. Um, And I just, I love to see her every time she's on screen. She's amazing. She's wonderful. I am. I'm surprised that like, I like her character so much because usually the whole bubbly thing just does my head in, but she, she just exudes like, um, contagious enthusiasm she's you can't does you can't dislike her character also that odd couple pairing with ruby riot is just perfect i can't get enough of it i cannot get enough of it <laughs> i love it's it amazing. so much it's um like hookhausen again it's fantastic yes uh, they speaking of they dropped the ball on hookhausen that's oh they did they had this <sighs> they had their um rock and sock connection pairing and they just decided they, that oh, it was shit. we will stick to the plan tony Khan tapped the sign this is the plan i i really hope i really hope that ruby and willow is the plan then because i i love them they're fabulous their entrance today where she come out dancing and ruby riot just like sneered at her and did her pose <laughs> so oh. good delightful <laughs> she's just really happy to be out there and like and um dancing around to our music and so I was just like stop being an embarrassment <laughs> so good I love, I love it it's so good I love it so much but yes yes um guess moving on to the next subject um the aftermath of what happened between Wardlow and Joe on Dynamite that was not where I thought the rivalry was going. You know, I uh, I actually was not surprised by this. No. No. Well, so I think you know, you know, Wardlow. Wardlow just kind of. I guess wasn't making the 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 impact that people thought he would after he got over in such a big way with uh you know with the whole powerbomb symphony thing and then the whole MJF thing and I think I think it's because they kind of really fundamentally misunderstood what worked about Wardlow and then they kind of pushed him out in the spotlight with no support and expected him to flourish but like but to flourish in ways that were never his strength. 
yeah. you know, his strengths, he had a strength in like a strong, silent presence. He had a strength with like, you know, that power boy bomb symphony thing was super fun but his biggest strength i think was the way that he would bounce off of other characters yes yeah and facial expressions are perfect 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 and like it's so good the way that he does that and like it really makes him like interesting but he's not a protagonist really in, oh, it's in definitely the way... like an anti-hero. Right. Like, if you're watching Dragon Ball, Wardlow's Vegeta. Like, um... Yeah! A little bit. A little bit. And so to have him get over through his interactions with all of these really colorful and dynamic cast of characters and expect him to maintain that by pushing him to the front and like expecting him to cut promos and have matches when like neither of those were like really the things that were super interesting about him or the things that got him over was really cruel to him i think it did not do him justice uh there's not just one type of success in wrestling he shouldn't like all wrestlers shouldn't be expected to always be the main character all of the time it doesn't make for good wrestling shows you know this is a really collaborative art form and it's okay if somebody is really over because of the ways that they collaborate with others well yeah like i mean the best thing about the rock was how he interacted with other people he was good in the ring but the best thing about him was his facial expressions are his interactions with people like Chris Jericho and Triple H. Like that's what got him over. That's what made him the star that he is. And it's the same with Wardlow. He bounces off people the same way. Um I guess like the same, I guess, like speaking about the rock, like got Ricky Starks, who's kind of the same. Like his ability to bounce I mean obviously he's a different kind of promo and stuff like that, but he's the same. He bounces off people spectacularly. Yes. Ricky can stand on his own, though. He is kind of the whole package that way. Like, he's excellent in ring. He's excellent on the mic. His presence is out of this world. Like, Ricky is the whole package. I I don't think I'm being mean to Wardlow when I say that he's maybe not the whole package. But that doesn't mean that he can't be a really excellent part of your show. If you give him the support that he needs. And they didn't. Yeah. And so no, and so you have Wardlow who's like really waning. He's not getting the reactions. He's not as popular. People aren't as interested. And then you have Samoa Joe who we can talk about how they've been handling Samoa Joe too. But like I, I, I think wasn't... they've been handling sorry, I think they've been handling Joe well since he took the titles, actually. Like yeah. um so, well, since he turned on Wardlow, I think he's been the Samoa Joe that people want to see. I think um, the 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 king of television thing is like a pretty sweet gimmick. We don't see a lot of him though. It's mostly like this thing with Wardlow, and there's not a whole lot of it. There hasn't been a whole lot of it. I mean, it's fine. I, I think it hasn't. I think it hasn't compelled me the way that I feel like it can with Samoa Joe, which is why. I'm a little uh 
I'm a little like eh about it, but yeah, I've not been. I've not been like their whole rivalry was like. I mean, I felt the turn was a bit premature. Oh yeah, for sure. Everything that's happened since has been like really quite compelling for me. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with with Samoa Joe because. Mm-hmm. His, I don't know, he's just got overpowering presence when he's on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. It's difficult to, to watch Samoa Joe and not be like completely drawn into whatever is happening. But um, I don't know, I think that the booking, the storytelling, and uh, the way that the rivalry is building has been really quite well done. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I guess it hasn't, I mean, like, I'm not a big guy versus big guy kind of person, Um, so maybe that's just my personal bias coming through. That's fine. But- um but yeah but yeah and another reason why i wasn't surprised about the outcome of this match is that um wardlow desperately needed somebody to chop his hair off he needed to buzz that all off and start over again it was getting dire (laughs) the state of it was getting real real concerning (laughs) i had not noticed his hair oh man have you ever had a friend like gives themselves a mohawk or like some sort of buds cut and then as they maintain it they like cut a little bit around it and they cut a little bit around it and then that part that has like the long part of the hair just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller Lance Archer Um, had that same thing going on (laughs) it was getting dire yes Yeah, we were kind of, well, yeah, because we were like the rock kids in school. So, and kids do not maintain their hair well. So, we <laughs> had a few of those things. Yes. <laughs> Some very questionable photos of young Alex's hair. So. <laughs> like, Wardlow had gotten to this state where he was like kind of shaving like the front of his little ponytail. Oh, like... that little spiky bits that was coming up that was really weird. Yes. Right, I noticed that. You couldn't miss that. Yeah, it was it was get it was getting bad. Like we needed a reset on Wordless hair, and I think that more than any other reason is why that Why did he cut the, the front bit of his hair? If he lets it grow, it could have gone in the ponytail. But like how do you let it grow when you're on TV every don't week? Know. Don't they have like hair people there? There's that awkward in-between stage, no matter what you do. Yeah. And if you're on TV every week, you can't let it go to the awkward in-between stage. So you're just stuck with it until some asshole with scissors comes and chops it off. (laughs) And Joe is the best kind of asshole. Yes. That was a very believable beatdown as well. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. We need more Joe on TV. Um, we do. Uh, That's true. Hopefully he doesn't get um, shunted over to Ring of Honor now that we, we know what's happening with that, kind of. What? Um, what is ha- can you Can you refresh me? <laughs> Just so I know what we're all talking about. Yeah, so um, they announced that their, the Honor Club is getting a reboot. It's going to be $9.99 a month. Right. Um, and you can watch it on ringofhonor.com or I think you, like, whatever, like, Google or or uh, Apple devices, and I think that um, it's gonna have all of the weekly TV, and then the pay per views are still gonna be on, I guess, like Fight, 
or um, I think it's Bleacher Report over in the US. Right. Um, so Ring of Honor is going to cost more than AEW, which, so I, I don't know, actually you don't get this over in the US. In the UK, well... uh, we, get, uh, we get Fight uh, TV, uh, the, sort of the, the Fight TV uh, AEW subscription that's uh, uh four six ninety nine dollars i think it's oh i think they raised it recently which i uh don't know because i've never heard of a vpn in my life no but they don't work the government mm-hmm. bans them and they don't work i've never heard of I've, I, what's a vpn i don't know i uh watch tnt on the television that i don't have every week absolutely <laughs> but yeah like that's gonna cost more than aw so, I mean, I think it's the same that Honor Club uh, used to cost uh, per yeah. month. So, uh, I don't know. Like, I think that's fine. Um, I, I, I'm just relieved to have Honor Club back. It's actually, the website, is they've managed to make Honor Club more functional than it used to be and easier to navigate. Uh, which is uh, a blessing. They even have a function where you can like save um, save matches to watch. I think it looks like Netflix. Uh, it it does it does look similar to Netflix. I've got it up yeah. just now, and it actually does look like Netflix, which is you know what it looks better than Amazon Prime. Yeah, 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 and it like, looks and it's much more functional than Honor Club uh, used to be. Well, Jesus Christ, those are some blurry images. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, I have bandwidth. Put some higher res images up. Yeah, one thing one thing that's annoying about uh, the new Honor Club is that they took away... On the old Honor Club, you could... On the video of, like, a show, you could click... They had, like, a little drop-down menu, and you could skip between matches. For okay. some reason, they took that away from us. I don't understand why. I'm only here to watch all of the Young Bucks matches in 2017. I don't need to know what was going on on the rest of the show. I will probably go back and watch all of um, like the Summer of Punk and uh, Danielson's matches and some of... Like, I did catch some of them. Like I did watch the Summer of Punk when I, but I was younger and I don't think I quite appreciated what it was when, it, when I was younger. So I'd like to go back and watch a few other matches. So I'll probably subscribe for a while. But um, I have a lot of subscription services at the moment. And... I have a, I have, I have friends with benefits, which is to say, a group of friends where we all share <laughs> our various wrestling subscriptions. I, I am the friend, and everyone else has the fucking benefits. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big problem with wrestling, isn't it? When you want to follow the good stuff, it's it's hard to. Uh balance yeah. all of the different subscriptions and whatever uh, i wouldn't mind so much but i do bounce off of things like i don't watch new japan all year round i should because i really like it but i don't follow it all year round same with uh tgpw and ddt like i do yeah. have the rest of the universe subscription and stuff like that so i should probably cancel them but <laughs> when but, i'm not yeah, watching but them can't... but i forget yeah yeah i get that way too i um i keep meaning to uh watch a bunch more gcw now that they have a now that they have a fight subscription uh, I hear that. uh what why i love gcw i'm sorry to hear that too you're so rude <laughs> so rude i love gcw 
Sorry to hear that too. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go over here and continue watching my wild, ridiculous indie shows and enjoy myself. We all have our guilty pleasures. I'm not guilty about anything. I have <laughs> nothing to apologize for. I don't know. You just said you like GCW. Mm -hmm, and I don't apologize for it. Listen, if this is my second talk trait, if this is a villain origin story, I accept that with open arms. <laughs> yeah, I've only watched a few GCW shows. They weren't for me, but I get why people like it. Yeah, I mean, kind you know, they, I, I like the um, I like the energy. I like the 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 ridiculousness of it all. I like the death matches. I'm a, a big death match yeah. girly, so obviously um, that's for me. Reminds me of like I know that a lot of people say it's a bit of a banal statement at this time, but um, it reminds me a little bit of early ECW. Like it's cool, mm -hmm. like the 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 fashion that the fashion the the passion that the fans have when you're watching it it is contagious like and it's fantastic and there's some really cool moments particularly like with matt cardona and stuff like that yeah that uh, matt cardona moment was so cool yeah it's really fun it's really fun to be in a gcw crowd and like feel like the passion although i mean i will say you know wrestling fans were a mistake but um but mostly it's really it's really fun. I love the passion. I love, you know, the Effie's big gay brunches of it all. I love like yeah. a bunch of the there's just um there's a lack of self consciousness in GCW that I really enjoy that I find can really get in the way of your bigger promotions like AEW. I think AEW can be really self-conscious sometimes and can let go of things that are really fun in order to appease the naysayers, and that bothers me. It bugs me. It annoys me. Well, that's um, what AEW used to be, though. Like it was a wrestling show for wrestling fans. It wasn't the sort mm -hmm. of like it. I don't think that. I think it's going a little bit back now. But AEW in twenty twenty two was very diluted. Like, it, was. it was it was not a w it was not a w that i loved in 2020 uh, 2019 2020 like, right and that's was... part of what drew me so much to gcw because at the very least there was this defiant determination to be themselves and what they are and what they're doing yeah, they and... cater to their audience, and they're not ashamed to do that. It's the same with, actually, Impact Wrestling. Like, they yeah. cater to their audience, and their audience loves it. All five of them. <laughs> but yeah, but I respect that way more than yeah. trying to, to, to appeal to the middle of the road, zero brain cell, couldn't infer a plot point to save their lives kind of crowd which i'm not even super certain really exists but everybody complains about it as if they do and it's like why just like do like pick a thing that you do and and do it as best you can like we don't have to i don't know <laughs> i don't uh, know no i think that's fair like um it's something that i have been critical of aw for this year um yes. not to dump on him again we've already had about 10 minutes of doing this but it coincided with seeing with cm punk's debut it's not his fault but um 
when they signed uh, CM Punk, uh, Danielson, Adam Cole, and like the 5,000 other free agents that they signed uh, in a matter of weeks, it kind of diluted the product a bit because they had to get them all on TV. And it changed AEW fundamentally from what it used to be. Is this sort of like... um, a show that had wrestling that everyone would like, but no one would like all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it catered to this uh, this very specific audience that gave you things like Orange Cassidy being like ignoring a bathroom brawl, or you know um, Sue flipping off, um, uh, proud and proud and powerful as they after a cut after the um, what's it called the part the law that part, yeah part, 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 still one of and my favorite matches it was great and like the entire the entirety of this um aw through daily's daily's place felt like they were thinking on their feet and it resulted in like the sort of creativity that we hadn't seen in wrestling for a very long time especially well, at least not um u.s wrestling because the you know the dominant party didn't have to fucking try because there was no competition but like it, throughout 2022 i felt that aw lost all of that so and i think that you could see that with um the declining original fan base mm-hmm. um, and now it's coming back again the viewer base is increasing because you know if you cater to the audience that they want to be there you will keep that audience but i don't know 2022 has been a bad year for AEW. oh god it's been it's been rough it's been rough i mean you know throughout the pandemic era they were really the daily's place era they were really talking about like how hard it was and i don't i don't doubt that it was hard but there's so many like iconic aew moments that came from that period and so many excellent matches that came from that period and i think i wonder if i I wonder if there was like some eagerness to get away from that and to get back into like the real wrestling that's in front of crowds and like this sort of addiction to crowd pops when you know you didn't have them for so long that that maybe that maybe had a hand in driving some of that but i god so much of 2022 booking was an abysmal slog for me yeah um there there were there were weeks where i was like should we walk because like i i have i have friends who i watch live with every week and i was like should we watch this live or should we watch wrestling we actually want to watch and then watch the elite stuff afterwards, which, I mean, I'm, we didn't really do. I think that there were a couple of times uh, where we did, um, but we didn't really do that because, and I'm glad that we didn't because there was the, uh, there was the oasis, the, the one drink in the desert that was the acclaimed in this period. Um oh, and I felt I, I really did feel like besides the elite, the acclaimed were my only lifeline in this period of absolutely garbage, trash, abysmal booking. Swerve, Swerve has been mine. Like oh, Swerve, yeah, he is phenomenal. He like, he tr- he truly is. I love Swerve so much. He's got this 
absolute knack of just making me go, you are just a smarmy bastard and I can't wait for you to get your comeuppance. Like, he's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, that's what I like about him. The the comeuppance thing, nothing else. Just the the comeuppance thing. Yes, (laughs) that part. Like, it's so good. Like, uh, <laughs> when, when uh, Keith Lee left him at the pay-per-view, it was just like, yes. <laughs> I know. I know. It was, yeah. Yeah, so Swerve in Our Glory, I really enjoyed. Um, the Acclaimed, I, God, before this year, I actually legitimately hated the Acclaimed. Like, I didn't want to see Did them. I hated them a lot, a lot, actually. And um, it was really, a, a, and like, who who cared about the gun club? I will not call them the guns. I will not. You can't make me. The guns are Motor City machine guns, and I will not hear anything else about it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I was like, who cares about the gun club? And I hate the acclaimed. And yet, consistently, every single week, they were the best thing on the show. Um, so I'm really glad. Like, the gun and, club and are really good heels, by the way. Like, they are. Funny. They are. Like, really funny guys. And um, I think... I think the acclaimed kind of represented that part of AEW that we liked before, like the stuff that was allowed to be a little silly, that was allowed to be goofy and fun and ridiculous. And, and I think that's part of the reason why everybody got so behind them because it's like that they were like that last standing (laughs) aspect of the, of the thing that we like. I like that he hasn't toned down his raps either. He's still uh, he's still taking massively almost heelish shots at the people that he that he's about to wrestle, but because they're heels, it's okay to dunk on them. Yeah, yeah, I think um yeah, there were a couple of raps uh, raps that really uh that really did make me mad. I'm not gonna lie. Um, the one with uh, Julia Hart was one of them. Yeah, I think I had actually I think by that point I had actually muted him whenever the rap, so I didn't hear that one. Um, and I'm glad that I didn't. Um, but that rap, that latest rap video that they made. Oh uh, yeah, the one about uh, Jarrett and my favorite Lethal. Yes, yes. I mean, the rap video was good. Why is Jeff Jarrett here? Why? I don't know. Why is Jeff Jarrett here? Why is he here? Who asked for him to be here? Like we've had the worst parts of WWE booking on AEW this year. Do we really need the worst of fucking Impact Wrestling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This year's booking has been all over the place, and it's mostly um, been awful uh, for me to go through. And um, I did spend the entire time that the elite were suspended not watching aew i watched it and it was actually immediately after the elite were suspended that aew started becoming aew again really Um, actually yeah the first week actually after the suspension um you could definitely see see that it was like aew presents fan appeasement like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I was not there to be appeased. I was so <laughs> I was so enraged. I was like, so enraged. It was one hundred percent like, okay, right, we're gonna lose a lot of our fans if we don't do AEW stuff, and they've gone back to AEW stuff, and people are happy again. And um, I hope that continues into twenty twenty three. I'm looking forward to see what happens. Is it the eleventh when they are debuting the new 
set or is, or is it next week i think i don't know i don't know i i was kind of hoping that if it, if it was next week that the elite would destroy the stage during their match oh that would be fun that would be fun yeah yeah but yeah yeah i think i think 2022 really represents uh really highlighted uh tony's greatest weaknesses both as a booker and as a leader yeah um, and uh but i will say he did handle the the thing the the whole brawl out thing in the right way um both legally and i think um while like he didn't in retrospect it might feel a little bit unfair that he suspended the elite and stuff like that i think well, not that in retrospect he, i thought it was unfair i thought it was unfair in the moment like i don't know like i think he dealt with it in the right way i was critical of the way that he, that he dealt with it but like i don't know having speaking to people that like own companies and stuff like that i get it 100 percent, and i think they went about it in probably the right way i think if it was wwe or another company like that it would have been handled very differently and we'd have probably been questioned saying like why didn't you suspend both of them kind of thing until you'd had an investigation sort of thing so i don't know a lot of bullshit happened but i think that he dealt with it in probably the right way yeah, I think oh, I, suspending them, I think I was fine with. It was um because, like, yeah, both of them. I think it was when they stripped the Elite's titles that I got really mad. Um, Because, yeah, in that sort of situation, you do have to suspend everybody that was involved. I think that's 100%. Um, but I feel like in stripping the Elite's titles, um, he really did signal that there was, like, this sort of both sidesism. Uh, to it that oh I guess the story is somewhere in the middle and there were problems on both sides or whatever and um that I just I just really haven't seen compelling evidence that that was the case but that in was his sort defense of... at that time the story was basically like this might have been caused by both parties um because the well I, I, he would have obviously known a little bit more about it than we did. Sure. Although, although maybe not, because he, he stripped their titles on Wednesday after a Sunday pay-per-view. So things would have still been up in the air. I don't know. Um, don't you think know what? By the, time, by the time we hit... Because I was watching this pretty avidly and, like, the trickle of information. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, disclaimer, of course. You know, I wasn't there. I don't know these people. I don't know what happened. Whatever. Um, we all watch news. We all... We all learn how to look at news and news media to to see what kind of information we can glean right like this is just yeah. sort of basic media literacy but whatever um but by wednesday the facts of this situation um like those three main facts that we were talking about were established by wednesday yeah. and never changed after that and also uh there was a a, a lawyer eyewitness to the whole thing and I know. and i do feel like i think i think the two things that made me the maddest about having the elite stripped the stripped of the titles was a that um it really encouraged this sort of both sides this both sidesism that i i don't think um i don't think was really fair um and then B, he just like I don't know. I was just really pissed off at the way he just like kind of sat there and listened to this guy slag off the people that he started the company with. I 
and and then i was critical of that as well but i actually don't really know like what else was going to happen he cm punk made the situation unmanageable even for quite a lot of people that have more um i guess command or like over situations than tony khan does like i i do agree that like he it looked bad but i do think that punk made the situation unmanageable yeah Um, like he 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 exploited his power the power dynamics that he has in that room really actually like (laughs) perfectly actually uh to create create a, a situation that couldn't be controlled by anyone other than him well, yeah, well, he's not a stupid man, is he? No, he's not. Well, I mean, no. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying, um, like, about his weaknesses as a leader, right? Because Punk should not have had the edge in that power dynamic. He was Tony Khan's employee. Yeah. Right? Um, and so to give an employee of yours kind of the power to undermine your authority like that, to undermine your own authority and then the authority of the people who ostensibly are leading the company alongside you. And then to follow that up with that move about the belts, it just like, you know, like I understand like in the moment, like not really having a choice, but to do nothing after that to signal that you are behind the people who got you here um is uh i don't know like i don't i wasn't a fan of that um i wasn't a fan of that in the same way that i kind of wasn't a fan of the way that hangman page's title reign was booked you know because like this is your homegrown star this is your guy and you are not really showing with your booking power, with your presentation, with your resources, that you are behind this guy who is your guy. I think that Hangman Page's uh, reign, like, really did highlight his inability to book a face. Like, no. Oh, oh, his ability to book a face. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, he did it with Wardlow as well. Like, he just loses mm-hmm. all ability like once the, the I, I understand that actually that's probably the hardest point part to actually to nail down because the everyone really likes the chase but when you get that get to that um point where the the face is won and he's um achieved the thing he's been chasing for three years or whatever um it's you've got to have a plan you've got to follow for, it up there's got to be you've got to have a plan that is while it's not going to be as captivating as the chase it has to be something done to establish the person i don't know like having wardlow beat up the fucking revamped uh spirit squad after winning his uh the, t- the tnt championship is obviously not the right follow-up for wardlow mm-hmm. and i going going into a never-ending feud with adam cole wasn't the best move for page um, I love those uh, "Let's go, Adams!" F- "Fuck you, Adam!" chants at uh, at the pay per view. Though that was really fun. <laughs> I missed that on TV. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, it was so it's much fantastic. fun. It was so much fun. It was so funny. 
but yeah i think you know and like it's possible to book a face like people are like oh it's all about the chase and whoever can't carry it when they actually have it and like that's not true like other promotions in other countries they can book a strong face like they do it yeah, Okada, um, Tanahashi, uh, um, hell, even uh, Brian Danielson in WWE when he won the championship, he was still over as hell. Right, like it, it uh, can be done, and like all you have to do is like put Hangman Page in the ring and give him a mic. Like yeah. that's all you have to do. It's not complicated. Um, and they weren't yeah. doing that. They weren't putting him in the ring. They weren't giving him mic time. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Meanwhile, like Punk was getting whatever, whatever. I'm done. I'm done with. I'm done with Punk. I'm done with Punk. But yeah, there were just like a lot of things like that. A lot of dropped threads. A lot of things like Hookhausen that seemed really fun, um, at the time, and then were never followed up on, and then we ignored. Like the way that they dropped the ball on Team Taz. I know a lot of people didn't really like Team Taz. Uh, I don't understand it because I love Team Taz. I think it was the fact that it was like baby's first rivalry all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, but that's not Team Taz's fault. No, it wasn't. No, I think it was just basically um, booking fatigue. Yeah, um, well, a lot of that, a lot of really repetitive booking here, like egregiously. Yeah. I mean, like, let's not. To the point, actually, on booking fatigue in AEW, do you remember when Punk initially dropped the belt and Mox was going to be, uh, was obviously favourite to win the belt? There was a lot of pushback on Mox getting the belt on Twitter because, like, it felt like it had been done before too many times. Like, they might, he managed Not to get my corner of Twitter. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, every time, like, I was searching um, or just, like, watching the trends in AEW on, um, or like following Dynamite or whatever it was just a lot of people being frustrated that Mox was the end goal there obviously like that changed on pretty much almost the moment they won it but I think yeah. I think Mox was the correct was the correct choice there though because no, like he was that was kind of an impossible booking situation like Tony had really booked himself into a corner with that one and he I feel like loves doing that. Yeah, and I feel like anyone besides Mox could not have carried that one through. No, he was right, and I Mox wasn't like the the object of the frustration. It was the repetition of yeah working, and the I think I think that that's something that I hope for in twenty twenty three for AW to be a little bit less predictable. Yeah, because yeah, like I switch off quite a lot with when I'm watching AW. Um, Although, like, you know, uh, his name, Action Andrade. Action Action Andrade. You know, I had actually missed watching that finish live because I had switched off. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, another Jericho squash match. I literally do not need to expend my attention on on this. Like, I had switched off. And so I missed watching it live. I missed the moment. I didn't know until later. No, I was sat in my bed watching it on the tablet, and like, and then I like, I was kind of on the tablet and on my phone. I wasn't paying attention. It was just like in action. Andrade gets when I was like, "Wait, what the fuck?" Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, it was crazy. We, yeah, because I think we had started that episode late, and so we used the bu- buffer to skip over that match. Um, and then and then we were it's like, a good check- match as well. Yeah, yeah, and then we were checking Twitter, and then we were like, "Oh, I guess we have to for this," <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think one of the strengths of AEW is 
the logical booking, right? That like you you kind of know the outcome to like most of the matches. And I think that is a is a strength a lot of the time, but I think that in 2023 I hope they they take more risks. Um, in 2021, the sorry, in 2021 the logical booking also get also had like sufficient room for doubt. Yes. In 2022, like we have a I have a prediction co- um, competition in like one of my other Discord servers. Again, like 90% of the predictions correct because it is predictable mm. rather than logical. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and um, and I hope yeah, injecting a little more doubt would be good, which would mean I think kind of like a different booking structure. I don't think you can yeah. inject room for doubt if you are having your people have the same matches with each other week in and week out i think i think feuds should kind of like interweave um, yes yeah i i liked when we didn't have the um three match rubber match kind of structure i like that rivalries could end on one match yeah that was really frustrating how that kept happening year when i was like it used to be kind of like a relic of uh of mostly jericho booking that i found really frustrating but at least it was like mostly contained to jericho booking but then that kind of bled out into like all the rest of the feuds that got super tiresome so i hope yeah i hope they uh i hope they kind of ditch that formula i think there's a lot of formulaicness that creeped into 2022 that i hope they break from in 2023 yeah I mean, I am optimistic for 2023 because the last two months in of AW has actually been really good. Yeah. Um, like, uh, sometimes when we're recording this, we complain a lot, but like, I've been engaged with almost every show so far. And um, my biggest hope for 2023, though, is that we do not have to see the the Blackpool Combat Club and Jericho Appreciation Society on in the same fucking ring again. Yes. I can't deal with that again. I pray for that. I hope, I hope that we stop seeing so much of Jay Lethal in 2023. No, because like, I can hope for it. Actually, my hope for 2023 is that everyone finds somebody that they that loves them as much as Tony Khan loves forcing Jay Lethal on us. (laughs) That's what I hope too. That's what I hope too. It would be a much nicer world if everyone had somebody that loves them as much as Tony Khan loves doing that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I don't know. I don't have any predictions for next year though. I think that Willow will win a championship, but I don't think that that you don't really you don't really need prescience for that. Yeah. Um, I'm not really I, a, pr- a predictions person. I do I do have a I do have a prediction that I think is like a little out there but not too out there and then I have a wildly out there prediction. Okay. So my a little out there but not that out there prediction is that we will see Kota Ibushi in an AEW this year. Um yes. Kota is I not think... going to sign a full-time AEW not move to the United States like we have to say that right now like he's not going to he never wanted to move to the United States he's not going to do it now um I think we will see him in an AEW though I think he will show up and I think that that will precipitate a meltdown amongst the ranks of the elite as it always does he will because Kenny will always choose Kenny's character will always choose Ibushi 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there are some rifts that happened all the way back in 2018 that were never resolved. And yes, the uh, uh, the 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 Bucks are gonna have some feelings about it, especially after that speech that Kenny gave them about "I choose you, you didn't choose me back." So, I'm looking forward to that because, like, me too. I don't know. Kenny was wearing a Ibushi T-shirt the other day, and mm-hmm. he doesn't do those things for subtlety. I saw a tweet that I thought was really fabulous, which was it noted that Matt was wearing an elite t-shirt because his greatest priority is the elite, the three of them. Nick was wearing a Young Bucks t-shirt because his greatest priority is him and Matt Young Bucks as a tag team. And Kenny was wearing the... Like the Kota Ibushi t-shirt that like he was wearing like during that documentary yeah. um that he made like with and about Kota when he and the Bucks were on outs. Um and and how that it like it really reflected like each person's priorities in this team. And I thought that, that was a fabulous tweet. A plus tweeter. <laughs> yeah. Someone shared that in our Discord actually. Oh um, really? Yeah. They were um, right to do it. Yeah, I thought that was a really good observation. I mean, I don't think it necessarily means that the elite are going to split up, but I think that it signifies where the elite are going in 2023. And um, with Ibushi's contract being up in, I think after Wrestle Kingdom, actually. Yeah, that's. I think that's what I've heard. I mean, like the the young bucks and the and uh and Kenny are never truly like going to split up. They're too no. they're too attached to each other at this point, but they always do seem to go through these cycles of like like really like peaceful everything like they're in lockstep, like everything's good, everything's wonderful, like sunshine and roses, whatever. And and then and then like it devolves into a mess. And like they keep they've been going through this cycle since 2016. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see this current, you know, moment of peace just sort of devolve into the the unhinged drama and tension that they are just so good at. I'm just looking forward to the photographs that we get when, um, you know, uh, Ibushi comes in to save the elite from a beatdown, and there's the Kenny and Ibushi are having a, a big cuddle in the middle of the ring, and Matt and Nick are just furious in the back. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to those too. <laughs> I actually can't wait for that. Yeah, no, it's gonna be <laughs> people really give good. Matt Jackson shit for overacting, but his facial expressions are phenomenal. Uh, people who give Matt Jackson shit for overacting overact- are incorrect, actually. They are <laughs> just factually incorrect. He's perfect. No notes. Yeah, he is. He's great. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm um, just looking forward to that. Um, my, I don't know. Uh, like, I think my my main my out there prediction, I guess, is we're going to see a lot more people going from AEW to WWE. But I think that that might be tied into people looking to go back to. Uh, there'll be WWE talent wanting to go back rather than a- AW originals. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Um, and you know what? I think uh, people are kind of like panicking, or maybe not panicking, but predicting the doom of AEW. If, but like, I actually think 
that it would be fine, um, actually, if some of the people who wanted to be back in WWE were back in WWE. Like, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. Um, like, maybe it'll cause, like, some amount of short-term damage. But, like, uh, there are a lot of, like, really over, really talented... Like, you want people in AEW who are dedicated to AEW. Yeah. And if they're not, if they're not dedicated, if they're not interested, like, if they don't want to pull with the rest of the team, then let them whatever i don't care Meltzer said the other day you know like um a lot of people feel lucky to be in wwe and when they leave they feel like wwe is still the be all and end all you want Mm -hmm. those people in aw you know you want the you want ricky starks you want chris statlander you want jamie here you you want the young bucks you want people there who care about the product you want chris jericho like um, you need you need people there that realize how lucky they are to have AW as an option for a start, but also just to be there because actually it is the best promotion in America. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, it might not be making the most money. It might be getting the views, but it's the best one in America for sure. I think. So. And I mean, yeah, like story wise, even this year in the ring, every year is the best promotion in, in at least the U.S. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't watch enough Lucha Libre to actually comment on whether it's like the Americas, but um, it certainly seems like it might be. Uh, and we need more people like that. We don't need, need people like Miro throwing a bitch fit because he was going to have to do the job. Um, and Andrade looking to go back to WWE. Just let them fucking go. Let them go. Let them go. We don't need them. You, like, use that money for other things. Like We could have had Kevin Owens you were like making money at a bunch of people who didn't want to be here who thought this was like the the um the the amateur team and wanted to go back to the big leagues like we don't need that here Um, pay jack perry more pay statlander more pay ruby riot more pay the people that want to be there more money and start wasting money on people that see um aw as an option rather than the destination yes yes absolutely um, I mean, you can you can definitely see it. Like, I mean, Andrade felt like he was going through the motions when he was there. Oh yeah, um, I was like, I was like looking forward to seeing Andrade because like people were pretty high on him and said he was like a really good wrestler. And then he came to AEW and he was so clearly phoning it in. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> he had like I one or two to... fabulous matches with Pac, and I was like, oh, we could really no, no, okay, all right, goodbye. <laughs> I don't know though. Like Pac could get a three star match out of me. <laughs> like, my hot take is i do not get the appeal of andrade at all but um i remember he came into nxt when i was really like um quite into nxt was it 2007 or something like that uh-huh. um he came in and i was like all right i see why wwe wants him because he's very capable of doing the same shit every match yeah right um whereas the people that flounder in wwe but do great in aw like pack are very very versatile best in the world wrestlers mm-hmm. i don't know i've just never seen that level from andrade i'm sure he has it you know yeah like, sure if you wanted to if you care to let him go back to wwe and be with his wife whatever yeah yeah i mean like that's fine maybe alistair blacks um no one, one. no i want him to stay sorry sorry that's my exception no, I want him to stay, but if it's if like he would prefer to go back and be with his wife, then fine, let him go back. Like I mean I get rather, that. Rather, than, rather than like stropping backstage or um 
like I'm not saying that's what happened. By the way, I know that he had like mental health issues and stuff like that. But if he if he really does want to leave AW, just let him go. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. Doesn't I, I don't know. Like I was never really sold on the narrative that like he had a problem with AEW. He really wanted to leave AEW. Um, and like to be honest, I wasn't following it that closely, so maybe there are some details that I'm missing. But maybe since... he did at the time. Yeah, and then he maybe came... he felt that was the best thing for him at that time. But at that time, I wonder. I wonder what the difference was between the time where he wasn't here anymore. Um, and then his sudden return, uh, alarmingly quickly. Um, Probably like, Tony Khan saying you're not leaving. Uh, much, much more quickly um, than than I personally expected him to. Um, but since House of Black came back, um, they, I, I, I love House of Black. I love Spooky Bollocks. I, I want more of it. Actually, um, I think wrestling should lean into the spookiness. And I love, I love House of Black. I love what they're doing now. I'm desperate for House of Black versus the Elite. Desperate. That's my, I'm that's my wish for next year. House of Black versus the Elite. I'm not in for the spooky stuff. Every time oh, Chris Statlander wow. came in and they um, built her from the Andromeda Galaxy, like I audibly just went, "Oh fuck off." That was good, actually. I I love that she's an alien. I I want her to be an alien again. I think alien good, spooky good. Do people know how long it would take to get here from the Andromeda Galaxy? I don't care. It would be dead. <laughs> I don't care. We're here to have fun. <laughs> and she just happens to look like a fucking human being. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> I am Star not Trek rules, baby. Let's I am go. not down for this. I'm I am not down for it at all. It's I my am... biggest. It's my biggest problem with wrestling. It was one of my biggest problems with WWE. Just like, no, no I can't be it. doing with that. No, no like, more of it. F- f- fuck off with your spooky bollocks. Go. There is so much mysticism inherent in professional wrestling. Like it, like it works with the medium. Like we, yeah, we can... it's, it mystifies me why people like it. <laughs> it's we like it because it's good and fun. I do get told I hate fun. Well, there we go. That makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> but yeah. which is not true. I just hate spooky bollocks. Well, uh, I'm I'm sorry. It's unfortunate to be wrong about things. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure you can get through it. Um, I believe in you. Yeah, my, my wife tells me I'm wrong fairly regularly to be fair. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> but I'm not in this. Uh, you are, but it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, do you want to hear my largest pie in yeah. the sky, uh, prediction for 2023? Yeah. Meaningful. Lasting positive improvement in the AEW women's division. Dream big. Yeah. You need yeah. to dream big. I you know what we gotta dream big. We gotta dream big. It could happen. I don't know. This stuff like the I really I was talking about it earlier, but the stuff with Willow, the response to her, you know, how how over she's been getting since she got here, it's really kind of given me hope. And yeah. then, and then, like that, it, to finally have like a women's match that isn't Brit or Thunder Rosa, and to have it 
be so fabulous and go over so well like uh, it could happen it could maybe it could maybe happen i just i just want to i just want to speak that into the universe it probably won't but i can i can have dreams i do think that we will see improvements i don't think that we're gonna see um the sort so- of like uh transition that wwe had when like um becky lynch got over and stuff like that um, yeah but I do think that we'll start um, getting to see a little bit more of the women's division. What I would actually like to see from it, though, is for Tony Khan to actually give them, like going back to what you were saying earlier on, give them the confidence or show them that you have the confidence in them by stop sticking them in the fucking cooldown segment. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. I mean, it was again this week, by the way, the tag matches in the cooldown segment. Oh, um yeah. And that tag but match was really good. It was. Willow got a good match out of fucking Taiji. Like, sh- give her the belt. <laughs> I love Taiji, but I can't I like argue. I, I like them as well. They're very entertaining people, but I, I'm yet to be convinced that they are very, very great wrestlers. <sighs> I can't argue with that. But yeah, no, that match was really good. Um... Yeah, uh, and we've been seeing like hints of uh, of of Penelope and Bunny hanging around a little bit more. I would like to see more of them. Actually, their um, no holds barred brawl was fantastic. Yeah, uh, that see, was that was wasn't it? That was against Ty J. See, Ty J. They have hope. There's hope there. Hard carry though, wasn't it? L- listen, there's still hope. <laughs> No, that, that's unfair. Ty's match with Brett as well was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just think that this goes back to what we were saying earlier on. How the fuck are people supposed to get up to uh, Jamie Hayter and Sheeta's level when they're doing squash matches on Dark? That's what I'm saying, right? I was actually thinking... Because, like, I think I think um, they have good bones. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I think they really have solid stuff that they can that they can build on, but they are not being challenged in in the way that I think that they need to. They're not being like thrown into the deep end. They're not like they're not learning those skills that you learn when you just kind of do this over and over again and are doing like stuff that really challenges you in front of an audience. Um, you know what WWE used to do in NXT that was. And it has actually, this this isn't just the women's division. They actually do it a little bit in the men's division as well. Did you watch NXT when Oscar debuted? I did not. They know how to make someone debut as a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, Oscar was a big deal when she signed. Like, I hadn't heard of her because I hadn't started watching Japanese wrestling really before Oscar's debut. But when they they signed and they were describing her, and then she had her um, debut, like it felt like a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And they present, and everyone was just like, "Oh, Oscar's great." Obviously, Oscar is great. Um, but before she even had time to demonstrate how good she was, people were like, "Oh, she's she's the shit." AEW don't do that, especially with the women. But I think in general, but like. It would be nice to like see them do that with somebody like um, Statlander's return. Yeah. 
like you know like the sort of lights out thing that uh hook gets so that everyone knows that something special is about to happen even though realistically he is greener than most of the women on the roster yeah um just that little bit of presentation to let the fans know that the person that you are about to see is in fact a big deal yeah i I agree i think that little thing could just that's a small thing but like it the way that people are presented really does influence the perception that they have of them going forward. And if they're able to do that for like um, Statlander's return rather than just having her do a, a run-in a little bit like Ruby Soho and stuff like that, just to let people know like, okay, Statlander's back. This is going to cause trouble for the division. And this is going to be a, a focal point going forward kind of thing. Like people respond to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see more of that, particularly for for the women. Um, but yeah, presentation it really it really can be everything, right? Yeah, because it it shows like you have the confidence that this is like a really big deal. I think they did that with Jade a little bit, um, and yes. I love Jade Cargill. Um, I I will not hear a bad word against Jade Cargill. <laughs> he did what nobody should really have to do she learned how to wrestle in front of everyone god i can't imagine how hard that must be i can't imagine it and she like she's been doing great i'm so impressed with her um it's been such a joy watching her improve like in presentation improve on the mic improve in the ring and like it's only been like a year year and a half yeah um, about that yeah and um, now she, she carries herself with like she carried herself like a star but like she carries herself now with confidence as well yeah yeah it's been it's been such a joy to see yeah that's why that's what i want um more jade cargo <laughs> yeah i'm actually looking forward to seeing i like i think obviously she'll lose the title this year um, yeah i do I think- yeah that's probably that's probably right. Although, like, I really feel like she could stand to carry that belt another year. I don't think it would be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think people are tired of Jade. I think she's been protect- presented in a way in a way that like protects fatigue. Um, yeah. I think that she's entertaining enough. Like. I don't know, dressing dressing up in green to take the piss out of fans calling her green and stuff that like that. That was like, so good. Green like money? So Mwah. Mwah. So good. So good. So like, good. And I think that the fans have kind of like a little bit like uh, when The Rock was debuting and they were like, no, you're not good enough kind of thing. They've kind of turned around and gone like, actually, you're funny as fuck. We like you now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. She's fantastic and I'm looking forward to seeing her. But like, I would like to see her get her rivalries get a little bit more um padding now. A little more um, substantive, yeah. Yeah. Her relationships in general, like like yeah, like this Kira Hogan thing, like it's fun. Kira Hogan is amazing, but like I I still think that Kira should have had a character alongside her and all of the rest of them should too. That's but, a problem uh, with the women's division in general like um we get to see that they're good wrestlers occasionally but we don't get the same sort of um tv other than Brett baker although even her tv times in squash a little bit we don't get to really see what their characters are and that's actually like for american audiences that's um 
mm-hmm. a really big proportion of how people gravitate towards characters. It really um, is. It really, right. really is. I mean, I know it. I, like, there's a, di- a difference in audiences. Like, um, in Japan, you come for the wrestling and you stay for the characters. But in America, you come for the characters and stay for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, AEW has, I think, or people have said that AEW has more of a, a wrestling focus than a lot of other North American wrestling. Um, and, uh, but like, I still think it's it's the characters that make or break it. Well, it is whether it's in ring work or whether it's not, or um, or promos. Wait, yeah, character work really helps. Ca- wrestlers that aren't um, like the most technically gifted wrestlers still get over because of their character work. Mm-hmm. You have to have um, at least one. Yeah, you do. I mean, I don't know. Well. There's a person that I follow on Twitter, actually. I'll give him a shout out, Wrestle Chaps. He does this every week, actually. Um, analyzes the total wrestling time relative to the amount of time that's on TV. And at the minute, like Rampage is about the highest, and AEW is actually in between Raw and NXT in, to- in total wrestling times. So this week it was like 40.8%, whereas Raw had 43.5%. So mm-hmm. They are more they are more action focused, but I think that also like uh they do have a lot of sports entertainment kind of promos mixed in there now more so than they used to. Yeah, yeah, I could do with less of that to be honest. I I I like I feel like there's a lot of storytelling that can be done in ring. Yeah. That we are missing out of a little bit when we sort of rely on these backstage interviews and these like interminable oh what do you think i'm being attacked um things every fucking week by the way every fucking week like that was that was that was so lame i'm sorry it was not good when samoa joe came and hit wordlow's knee to like try to spice the match up a bit i guess or i guess protect wordlow a little bit it, it was... did its job though. Like I've seen a lot of people saying, "Oh, so um, Wardlow's winning tonight, is he?" That's true. I did. I did have that. I did have that thought as well. But my my overwhelming feeling was that, wow, you you couldn't you couldn't figure out anything to make <laughs> this match more interesting. So this is what you went with. I'm sure Tony Khan will have a litany of data points to prove you wrong. But uh-huh. um, the general feeling is that, yes, those are getting tired. I mean, it is every week, by the way. Uh-huh. Oh, um, this is a um, this is a this is a thing that's been really grinding my friend's gears. So I'm bringing it up uh, just for them. <laughs> um the the fact that we keep having these submission finishes where the person passes out instead of tapping it is it's it's driving them up the wall and like i also can't unsee it because like it's like a way to like protect people but like when everyone is protected then nobody is protected and like nobody can tap to submissions anymore they have to pass out <laughs> yeah i think that's a fair criticism it's not some 
it's actually not something that I'd thought about. But yeah, I I don't know. If Jericho can tap out to moves, then People can just tap. People can tap. It's, it's fine. I think that like passing out to a move should be impactful. Yeah. Um, you know? And like I liked, you know, I like that finish where Matt taps just after the match is over, you know, like something like that, a visual tap like that. Like those things are good. Um but you know. No, yeah. I agree totally. Uh, actually, yeah, looking back, there has been a lot of... Um, There's been a lot of those, right? Yeah. Although, I'd, yeah. Yeah. yeah they do rely on things for... No, I can't argue against that at all. Like, I'm... Can't unsee it now, huh? Uh, nah. They do. They do a lot of cheap tricks to protect people instead of booking in such a, a way that you don't need to use the cheap tricks, right? Like if you if you are having if you are having matches against people of appropriate power level so you don't have to do those tricks and then, you know, two powerful people like come together and one of them gets a clean win. Like it doesn't have to be like this person is ob- absolutely better than the other person. It can be oh, this is the person who got the win that day. Doesn't mean they always will, but like they got the win this day, you know, you know that. But you know, we don't. They used to do that more frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's they. They did used to do that more frequently, but yeah, the the pass out tap, the pass out finish has definitely been a twenty twenty two thing. Yeah, he's uh he he's gotten he's had a couple of things. Just like it's like the it's like the finish that he's like really into at the time, and it keeps happening over and over again. Like, I get it. It's fine if you want to give people a result um, because, you know, like, one of their things is that you, they don't do, um, like, uh, DQ finishes and stuff like that, but, and you want to feel like you can protect the people that are losing. But, yeah, you don't need to protect everyone every time. It is okay for somebody to lose occasionally. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that would enrage Miro. <laughs> All right. Final wish and or prediction for 2023. I think we're going to get a much more 2021 AW this year. Um I think they'll deal with Forbidden Door 2 a lot better than they dealt with Forbidden War- Forbidden Door 1. Um and I I don't know. I do expect good things from AW going forward this year. But, and we can hopefully look back on 2022 as just a blip. Yeah. I think my final wish is that we have more story that's more interesting. Like, not the, oh, I want the belt. Um, no, I have the belt. No, you don't deserve the belt. La, 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 sort of things. Or, like, the same sort. Or, like, you were my friend. And then your sudden yet inevitable betrayal. Um, but, like, something that, like, has, like, real oomph behind it um yeah i hope i hope we have more stories that are like more interpersonal that aren't like simplistic baby's first conflict you know what i mean i think Uh, we'll get that because we've got ring of honor coming up in the next month or so i think that um he's gonna feel less pressure to have everyone on tv so we will start getting a little bit more meat on the bones I hope so. Yeah, that's my wish. That's my wish for 2023. More meat on the bones. Yeah. 
and no more CM Punk news. That would be grand. Oh yeah, please. I would love to stop talking about him. Okay, so um, thanks for listening to all of the listening today. You can catch me at Alex underscore M one nine seven on Twitter, and you can catch Emmett Sharp at at Fake Sport Feel also on Twitter. And uh, please check out our other podcasts on the Wrestling Network: Into the Wrestleverse, Flight of Five. New, J- New Japan, The Ocean Cyclone Show, and simply search wrestling wherever you listen to your podcasts.